This broadcast of Indie Radio features strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome to broadcast number 76 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show that airs bi-weekly on Saturdays at noon U.S. Central Time to help you keep up with the ever-evolving world of indie game development, debate about issues in the indie game scene, and to let you into the mind of some of the most interesting people behind the creation of indie games. Today is April 9th. Wow, time is flying. And I'll be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest, United States. And we've got a guest today from Philadelphia. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, what's up? I'm Will Stalwick from Second Prime. Sweet. So yeah, uh, we will get into the interview in a little bit. Uh, the format of our show typically goes, we, we do some news, and then we jump into the interview. But before that, uh, I always like to remind people that we do have an IRC channel that you can join. It is at the bottom of the radio page if you're listening to it from our live. Otherwise, you can go to the irc.afternet.org network, and the channel is Indie Function, I-N-D-I-E Function. Um, regardless of which method you do, just plug in a username, join the channel, and you can chat with uh, both Will and Stall or Will and Stall, <laughs> Will and me, uh, and yeah, suggest topics. Chat, ask questions, whatever. So, yeah, let's get to it. So, have you been keeping up with the news at all lately? I know you've been pretty busy with releasing a game. Uh, not really. I mean, the news I keep up with right now is, like, friend news. I've mostly been, uh... We've been pulling all-nighters a lot, Dan and I, for the past <laughs> couple weeks. We didn't yep. even go to GDC this year. We missed out on that as well, so... Ooh. Yeah, no, not really. I've been so out of it. I've kind of not existed. All right. Well, I'll bring you up to speed. Um, yeah, let's do it. I haven't seen too much, um, but the big thing uh, we actually talked about this last time with Lisa Brown. Um, she was she was bringing it up. Um, I hadn't heard about it, and then Unity, you know, put out the blog post like, "Oh, hey, this is happening!" Because apparently they they unveiled it at GDC and kind of did their test rounds. But they have a new certification program. And oh yeah, I saw all about this. <laughs> it's. I think it's hilarious. It's good in a way, but also, like, a total I don't know, joke. man. How, how, how bloated does your thing get when you finally need to have a certification process? <laughs> like, oh, wow, you can't just jump in there and use it, huh? It's going to be that hard that you need a certification for it? I, that's just not a, it's not a good sign. Wait, um, so, so you're arguing that Unity is becoming so difficult that they have to have a certification program? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's too. It's a. First off, the fact that you go into Unity and it's very hard to make a circle. <laughs> like my challenge to anybody who just starts Unity for the first time is go in, make a circle, give it like an outline, and just try to make that outline the same width as you make it large. Just try to do that. That's like you know that'll take you like a year. You'd be like, well, I had to learn how to do dynamic meshes and build my own meshes, and then. Once I figured out how to spool them and then actually use the shaders, I was able to make something with one single line width that expands. That's just not very user friendly. Wow! You, you see, it, it, this is this is taking me completely by surprise because Lisa had like the complete opposite, um, really? like thing out here. She was thinking that um, you know the certification people are going to breeze through it, you know. Um, because it's probably all going to be like, oh, hey, how do you make a you know empty game object? Uh, put a cube in the scene. 
Uh, well, I think that's probably I true. I don't think they're going to make the certification hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people probably will breeze through it. Yeah, so it's going to make a lot of people feel, you know, that, that they're Unity masters and that the cer- certification or the certificate isn't going to mean anything, really. But no, you saying that Unity, like, is... I mean, it, it is difficult to do a lot of trivial things. Um, from oh, the pretty much all the things that you want to do that are that are basic to game development are very hard. Like... The U, the fact that UI is just something that just got into Unity and it's still not very great. Like it's it's hands down a million times better than what was there a year ago. It's still mm-hmm. not very good. And doing like very basic things is hard and it's complex and it's like really it's really messy. Uh-huh. Like you can't do a single project in Unity that's not like you're in a kid's room and you just do the toys everywhere and you're trying to find your toy. <laughs> it's it's impossible. Like the hierarchy and the structure of it just uh, it doesn't bode well. So I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. But to me, I, it, it's always a sign that as soon as somebody has some sort of like certification for their software, that their software has gotten too large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they do say here at the end, uh, Unity certified developer, um, just singular, not plural, is just the starting point for this program. Future levels that will address more advanced and specialized skill sets, uh, such as artist or programmer, are in development. So uh, I guess they're going to have multiple levels uh, for, you know, more difficult things. Yeah, it sounds almost, it doesn't even sound like a certification class. It sounds mm -mm. much more like an intro beginner to how how to use UD 101 class, which I think is super cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm thinking of it more like that and a lot less like certifications, I'm so hyped about it. Yep, they've, they've got this program here. It's called the Unity Certified Developer Courseware, and it's uh, basically a preparation for to get certified. <laughs> oh, man. Available in one, three, and six-month access passes. Learn at your own pace on your own schedule. Well, see, now that they're saying that you can have a pass for six months, like that kind of makes the certification sound like it's actually going to, like, be something of difficult, you know, some some difficulty. Maybe. I, <laughs> I, it's, so, it's, it's such a black box. Yeah. I, yeah I'm excited it, to see much, We'll see when we, when we get there. Are you going to become Unity certified? No, not in the slightest. No, not in the slightest? You, you don't think you're up for the task? I just don't <laughs> care. Like, what is my... What, why would I get Unity certified? They'd be like... Oh man, those eight games you released that were bestsellers probably weren't you made in Unity. It's like, what? Why would I ever do that? It seems like a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I'm totally just giving you shit. Don't worry. I also am very curious and kind of do want to take it. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have went to GDC. They, uh, they had it there. Well, I couldn't because we were making this this silly game the whole time. Were you making it in Unity? I mean, with shit. Oh god, we were. Yeah, well, there. The mistakes have been made. See, now you got You got to sue them now. Say, hey, your <laughs> your UI system is so awful that it took us extra time to finish our game, and we weren't able to go to GDC to become a Unity exactly. certified developer. So we can't even. We're, we're quitting. Oh, uh, the thing is, we actually have all of our own tools. We have <laughs> a thing called Unity Designer that we built into Unity, so we actually have our own like. We actually do spool our own geometry, and we have like basically Illustrator inside of Unity. Whoa, so, Illustrator so. inside of Unity? Well, it's a little bit more advanced than that, but yeah, it's pretty close. I don't know if you've ever used anything like um, anything with like Smart Shapes. So like, 
you have a square and then you have a corner and you can just pull the corner in. They're all rounded corners now. So we have basically a little system that's like that, but it's, it's 2.5D. So you, mm -hmm. uh, uh, if you see our game Monster Want Burger, that's like a really good use case to show you what it looks like, like raw. But uh, yeah, we could do like Boolean operations on on vectors, but they're actually meshes, and we're dynamically creating them every frame. So like, if you want a unified line weight of something as it expands or contracts, it's pretty easy to do, and it's all kind of like WYSIWYG. So we've been using that for uh, I guess four years. Wow! Because when we first went to Unity, we tried to make a circle and we couldn't. <laughs> So do you do you have any public demos of this up on the web? Um, we have we show it off. Everyone who comes to Dev Night every week, we uh, they get to use it. And we give it out to people for free. Uh, we've talked about putting it on the store a lot, but the problem is like it's just not worth it. I think the number one selling Unity asset is like only getting ninety k a year or something, which is good. But uh, this kind of tool, I think we require like a lot of tech support from us, and then we'd end mm -hmm. up making just the tool and not games. Yeah, and we'd probably. It would probably cost us a lot of money to do that, and I don't think we would be the best-selling asset. Like that—that that sounds crazy. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be worth it for us. But we do give it out to people. Whoever wants to use it, we just give it to. So, uh, yeah, if you want to try it, I'd be more than welcome to send it yeah, over. Sometime. Absolutely, yeah, sure. I'll yeah. either you know sometime soon or when I eventually make it out to, to Philly. Yeah, we don't have text though. That's kind of the bitch. So we're still using three D text all over the place. Um, and we do use the new, we use the new, uh, the new uh, Unity tech stuff, which is significantly better. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've recently had some a lot of problems with that too, uh, which is just not transparent at all. So we uh, we because we primarily do uh, OSX development. We were just like, you know, we went to go do our final build the other day of our game, and we tried on this Windows machine that's a buddy of ours, and then all of our text looked like crap. And we we're using the UI tech stuff, and we had no idea that. It kind of embeds the text. It doesn't do it as a texture map like it used to for the 3D text. You know, the idea we had in our head was that it would just like bake the mesh for the size it needs whenever it's used in the UI, but it doesn't actually do that. It actually tries to run the font off the machine. So obviously the machine didn't have the font, so it looked terrible. <laughs> but but the font was still there, which is the crazy part. So you could still see it, but it was all just like terribly blurry. And so we ended up having to go through all of the fonts and rebake them ourselves anyway. So it was kind of great to get up to speed, and you know, natively on the computer we were working on, we could see what we wanted to make very quickly and get it up and running. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we have an hour before we have to launch this game, and now all the text doesn't read. Oh my god! So like, we go everywhere. We're like, is this written anywhere? No, it's not. And the only reason we knew was because one of our we like showed it to one of our buddies, and he's like, oh yeah, the, the font's not installed on Unity. I've been trying to track this down for a couple weeks. Uh, that's what it is. This is how you solve it. The lifesaver. Oh, yeah. We were freaking out because I get so bitchy about design. So <laughs> like, yeah. the buttons were easily readable, but I'm like, no, you can't launch a game like this. <laughs> freaking out. I, I was, yeah, I was reading um, the uh, STB uh, TrueType uh, library. Um, huh? it, it's a C++ library that does font rendering. And all that stuff is just, whoa, it's so crazy. You know, so fonts is very as hard. soon as you have a problem with fonts, like you either find somebody that's really good with fonts or just give up because oh, oh they're such a nightmare. And we have some crazy font stuff in Tailwind. I don't know if you've seen the the, the video at all or anything like that. Oh yeah, I, I watched the trailer. I've, oh, I haven't yes. tried it yet. So, yeah, so if you in the trailer, just in the beginning, it's like uh, you know what is it? Um, 
before you die live which is kind of like our quote for the the game mm-hmm. if you saw like the text it's kind of like that alien text so the way that text works it's actually really neat uh, i spent what i did was i drew up some text and i was actually gonna do the font myself but time was hard and i reversed image searched like a font that i had written and drawn out and i mm-hmm. found somebody who did like a really close approximation of it and we bought that font and what it is is uh the cap- so it's all based off of triangles, and the capitals point down, and the lowercases point up, and they like negative kern together, so that all the triangles like wrap and morph together. So you can just alternate by going like capital case, lowercase, capital case, lowercase, and get these really cool triangle-based alien text pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, the font actually does look like English if you use it that way, but obviously that's not what we were going for but man when that font broke like that the kerning was all off so there was like triangles on the screen everywhere it uh it went real crazy yeah you know i was just playing a kerning game this morning um oh was it from uh method yeah yeah that one yeah they make some really uh good stuff they just did a bezier game i don't know if you've seen that that came out i guess a week and a half ago um i've played a bezier game before but not from method yeah, Method just made a new Bezier game, and it, oh, dude, it made me so upset because I realized that I am a, a just a tragic designer because there's so much I didn't know about the I, tool. You know, I've played this before, like, a year ago. Yeah, I just saw it a couple weeks ago. I thought it just came out. Maybe uh, maybe I just heard about it is what happened. Yeah, I, I think so. But yeah, no, it's it's weird playing with this. It gets really, really hard. Well, there's a, there's a thing that's like maybe the fourth level in, and it's you just trace a car. And oh, you go yeah. ahead and you trace the car and you're like, yo, I'm a boss. <laughs> and like natively, you're going to use like 11 curves and it's going to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like little number somewhere that tells you what the optimal curve number is. And it's like seven or something. Yes. You're and like... uh, Dan and I played it for like, you know, four in the morning one night <laughs> when we found it during this uh, crunch cycle last week. And uh, we could not figure it out. The two of us are like racking our brains trying to figure out how to do it in like six six or seven curves or whatever. <laughs> Very frustrating. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn how to design, I promise. <laughs> I'm going to learn to be a master of Bezier curves. I can't wait. Help me. Yeah, I, I can't use sense. Bezier curves, but I can I can program a Bezier curve. So does that count for anything? Oh, that's funny. I actually, I, I've done both. Uh, I, I vastly prefer to draw them these days. <laughs> But I think I still get better better results when I program them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, I meant, like, programming the math behind it. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, okay. I've done I, I was just making sure. Yeah, no, uh, Casey Miratori has a really good, it's, like, 50 minutes. He goes into the math, and he, like, he starts from, like, ground zero. So he's, like, here's, you know, a super simple equation, and he keeps morphing it until it gets to the Bezier curve. So everything makes sense. And then he goes, like, backwards all the way to the beginning. So, like, everything interconnects. And it's just like, this makes so much sense. I understand how all of this, you know, connects. Casey's an amazing teacher. I'm sure you've heard of Handmade Hero? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't really know much. Yeah, it's, uh, he's... As I, as I Google furiously. <laughs> he, uh, Casey Miratori, he, since uh, November 2014, he's been building a game from scratch, using no libraries, no no engines, no anything in C plus plus. Um, I hate these kind of maniacs, man. <laughs> I never want to do this to myself. <laughs> so he's I'm crazy. just never going to be this talented. So it's just it's not happening. It's not in the cards. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he streams an hour a night, five days a week, and he, he keeps a pretty consistent schedule. 
And really? Does it? So I, I know people do that, and I just don't understand how they do it. Like, it's crazy to me. Like, I work insane hours, but I could never think about like doing that. Hmm. Just being on like and personable for an hour sounds crazy. Oh, and that that's just. That's just the show. Like he he does a little pre-stream, so he's there for fifteen minutes beforehand to ask miscellaneous questions that aren't going to be answered. And then after the show, he goes thirty to sixty minutes, you know, at, for people asking questions relevant to the code that he had written in the last hour. So is it is it like a performance? Is he just kind of like doing his thing and you're watching, or is he actually having? Oh, he dialogue? he's explaining it. Like he draws diagrams. It's it's supposed to be an educational material that he's like you you make a game completely from scratch. So you learn how to write a Windows platform layer. And then you learn how to make a game and, you know, you, you learn, you know, his kind of methods of programming and what he thinks is good code uh, in efforts so that future game developers can build good game engines and tools. And, you know, uh, he always says, you know, stuff better than Unity. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is so, so. cool. <laughs> I'm on the website right now geeking out. Don't mind me. But, yeah, no, uh, he he's super cool. But the let's... uh. Let's let's shift back to our show. Yeah, we'll get back on task. Yes. Uh, so the next <laughs> next news thing is uh, ooh the kerning's off there. Um, <laughs> uh, so the YoYo Games forums or not YoYo Games forums. I'm sorry, the Game Maker Community forums, which are run by YoYo Games. YoYo Games forums were a different thing back in the day. Sorry if I just angered somebody. Um, so the Game Maker community is the forums for Game Maker users to, you know, talk with each other, um, show their games, get help, all that great stuff. And their forums have gotten really bloated over the last few years uh, because the both the company and the software has evolved so much that a lot of the stuff on the forums are just completely obsolete. Like it's like, oh hey, you know, here, here's how to do this in Game Maker Six. Whereas, uh, if we were counting versions, we're at Game Maker like fourteen now or something like that. Um, not, not really. I'm counting like minor releases as full numbers, but whatever. Um, so they're relaunching their forums, and right now they're in the process of doing it. And you can access the old forums. You can't log in. You can't post anything. But you can access the old forums, which are going to be archived. But they are officially moving forward, and they're going to have the new forums up soon. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely be a part of it. So if anybody, you know, runs into me on there, it's, I, I don't know, say hi. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say now. Um, but no, I'll, I'll probably be stopping in there. Um, Game Maker is where I started my entire journey that's how i got here you know talking on the show um so i'm definitely gonna stick around and see see what the next generation has to bring so it'll be exciting i'm excited, I'm excited. i hope that game maker works on osx again soon i uh you know i we do our all the do a lot of game jams here once a month mm -hmm. and uh i just decided i was going to try and use game maker for the first time and then uh that, that month they discontinued osx so i went to go download it and i couldn't and so I ended up using like an older version of it, but my team was using a newer version, so we just kind of couldn't work together. Oh yeah. So I ended up making my own game, which was kind of cool. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I used Game Maker for five minutes, and I could make a circle, and I made it larger. So, you know, Amazing. I don't know what's up, Unity, but uh, I could make a circle, and I was pretty happy. I was fun. I actually had a really good time, and uh, it, it was super easy to get into. I liked Game Maker. 
Mm-hmm. But then I never like I never kept going forward with it because the exact same problem you're just talking about. I went to go and try and find information on it, and I couldn't because it was an old version, and it was a significantly older version that it worked on OSX. Like apparently it hadn't been working on OSX for a while. Um, so they just but as far as I know, it still deploys to OSX, but the uh, the actual development platform itself had been discontinued. I don't know. Do you know if they've changed that yet or? Um, I don't. Um. Let, let me let me check uagames.com I'm clicking get game maker right now <laughs> get game maker uh, features let's multi-platform workflow you can deploy to Mac I know you I know you can deploy to both still <laughs> I, I do uh-huh. remember hearing something about it I just didn't really look into it too much because I, I don't have any Mac so it kind of was Something I yeah, we well, we switched a long time ago because we uh, I had like an idea on a napkin for Pulse, which was like one of our bigger games, mm-hmm. and uh, the only way to do uh, iOS was to to get on a to get on OS X, which is why we now use uh, MacBooks basically for everything. I got you. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything. Uh, view requirements, maybe. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. Website is super uninformative for that, but it does say a lot. Their website looks really nice, by the way. Yeah, they've they've gone <laughs> they've gone through so many iterations, and they finally got it good. Even the little code example they have on the on this page, like it looks really pretty. Uh, which page? Uh, I just went on the features page, and they have this like you know cute little like character tile based oh, game. Yeah, you know, I know that on the right. Look really good, the code yeah. on the right looks great. The that that whole like if statement for new key looks it looks beautiful. I would never have <laughs> kerned my my code like that. <laughs> you know, like they really got some sexy code in that picture, which that's rare. Mm-hmm. E- even if they are, you know, indenting their their curly brackets incorrectly, but I, I, yes, I won't they, they really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- that is one thing that I I know like a lot of game developers that use game maker are notorious for is just like the most inconsistent or just ridiculous um tabbing known to man jw of um vlambeer he does not indent his code at all what the hell is wrong with him go watch I, I a live would, stream I, when he I would go crazy watch a live stream when he he does it he he like doesn't put any spaces between anything in if statements either and it's just like you're just looking at a bunch of you know random characters and you're like I don't know how you read that <laughs> but oh, it works God, for him he's making his life so much harder you know what that stuff was really never important until we started working on a team mm-hmm. and uh, at one point Cypher Prime was actually five people uh, back when we were making Splice uh-huh. and dude oh my god it mattered so much how you did your curly braces because somebody else would go in there to read 200 lines like 2,000 lines of code and not be able to read it quick enough. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be getting frustrated because you'd be like, yo, Andre, how come you're not done that task yet? He's like, well, I can't read your shit. <laughs> I maybe maybe clean it up a little. Mm-hmm. But it never really mattered that much to me until I started doing team-based stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was actually a test that I gave myself um, during during college, which I would recommend anybody to do, is basically if, if your teacher has a code formatting style that's different from yours. Um, well, some some universities require you to follow the, the teacher's coding style, but, like, every class, um, I would try a different uh, style 
just yeah that's it, that's a really good idea I oh think. it it drove me nuts but once i had done it three times like adopting another one wasn't hard and it just became like easier to switch between them yeah i wish i had switched languages more too because i mean my background is design like that's what i went to school for was craft design and i mm-hmm. i've always been programming since i guess i was like 13 or something but i'm not like the world's best programmer <laughs> And it wasn't until maybe the past like two or three years where I'd gotten like five or six languages under my belt. And I wish I had spent more time up front instead of getting really, really proficient at one, like learning a few real quick. Mm-hmm. Because now I can jump into languages really quickly. And uh, that's just one of those things. I didn't switch around enough. And there was like some base language that I was missing. Like, I don't know how you say it, the ternary or tertiary, tertiary oh, opium, uh, or whatever. Opium. Like, I, I didn't know what that was called for like... I've been using it for, I think, eight years before somebody <laughs> told me what it was called. So when I went to a new language and I was like, you know, that thing with the three places, that's like a one-line statement. And people are like, what the f- are you talking about? Uh, and I think learning extra languages like really helped me learn that base language since I was self-taught. Mm-hmm. And now uh, you know, I can communicate to people in a way that at least they can figure out what word I'm trying to say. Yep. You yeah, know, I, I, totally know, I totally know what you mean. Like, oh, yeah, you just, you just if it. Like... You mean you put it in a conditional? <laughs> yeah. You, do you mean like a conditional statement? Because you know not every language has them and they're different. Like, but yeah, that stuff. Uh, I never realized realized how important it was. And that was another thing that I, I noticed as soon as I started working on teams, like larger teams as well. And when mm-hmm. I say larger, I mean more than three people. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the indie. So, I, I don't know what it is. You get more than three people, and people start becoming really unforgiving for you. They're like, "Hey, come on, man." <laughs> I, I'm just looking through all the the pictures on the the game maker page. This is this is a really well put together page. It's Maybe. beautiful. Yeah, got some great examples. I really like the the spine. Like I I didn't even know that they supported spine, but they do, and they've got a really cool image. Oh. Yeah, the um, the final form guys who work at the forge with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made Jamestown. They're working on a new title. I'm probably not allowed to say anything about it, but who cares? And uh, <laughs> they're working in Spine for their animation tool stuff, and it is very cool. Well, don't say too much. I, I don't want to get in trouble. Nah, it, nah, This won't. is going up they, on the internet. And they they yeah, can no, hear no, this someday no, they, and get all mad at you. And they won't be upset. Somehow uh, mad at me. They, but, yeah, <laughs> they, uh, they have their own engine, but they're using Spine now. It's probably, like, who knows if it's temporary or they'll be using it for the whole thing. But mm-hmm. it is really neat watching it, uh, you know, kind of morph the graphics with the animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the only game that I know of that I've played that uses uh, Spine is Oblitus. There it is, by uh, Connor Ullman. Did you ever play that? No, no. No? Yeah, it, 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 it was a collaboration between him and Noel Berry, originally. Uh, and then... I lost Noel so much. <laughs> and then Noel left the project. Um, I don't know why. why you... I don't know what happened, like that's that's them whatever um so connor wanted to continue it you know i think i think that's what happened noel wasn't feeling the project anymore but connor really wanted to finish it so connor finished it uh you released it on steam it it did okay um but yeah this starting this starting graphic like the faded out green graphic is really uh it's very pretty or for for oblitus yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's it's a gorgeous game it's it's uh, it's like it has all the potential there. It's just it's missing just 
a little something. It's fun to play. It just doesn't have, like, the lasting appeal. Like, oh, you know, I guess there's a... It's procedurally generated, and there's supposed to be, you know, everlasting whatever, but I don't know. I wrote a review. <laughs> if you want to know what I know about it, go read that. I'm just happy to look at this one picture. Man, a good piece of cover art is, uh, it's hard to find. Oh, yeah, that's by, uh, Gabriel, or, yeah, Gabriel, uh... Verdon, right? Yeah, Verdon, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, he's spectacular. Yeah, that, that was, like, one of my favorite things, is just looking at that art and putting it in the magazine. It has a very strange, like, where the wild things are feel to it, but, you know, kind of with, like, an Aztec, Aztec-y yeah. influence, it's really interesting. Alright, I'm just gonna check into the... Ooh, you, you posted the link. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this one, yeah. Yeah. Giant titan behind him. Yeah, the, uh... The concept of the game was also pretty cool. It was like it was based off of Dark Souls, like that. That was the the core inspiration, and then you just fight titans at the the end of every area, and then you. And I wish I wish I liked Dark Souls. Everyone loves it. I've I've I never wanna, played it. I, I so want to love it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I maybe someday I'll play it and find out if I like it or not. I probably won't, but. I haven't even played it that much. I played it a little bit at my buddy's house uh, one night. We were like drinking, and I was playing it. And I was like, "Wow, I just really, I really hate this." <laughs> and it wasn't even a, it wasn't even like a, a, a minor dislike. It was like a pretty big dislike. And uh, I never wanted to play it again. But people talk about it all the time. Everyone around me at the forge, they all are like in in absolute awe and love. And so, so, so many great games I've played are like inspired by Dark Souls, and I like the games that are inspired by it, but I don't like it, which <laughs> is super weird. Yeah, I from a third, you know, third person view. No, third third party, third party, third party. I don't know. I I haven't played third it. Third party perspective, right? That's third, third perspective. Yeah. So I why <laughs> why is my mind just like. It, this is this is a common phrase used in like everyday speech. My brain's just like, no, sorry, no. Maybe um, you just didn't sleep like I did because I had terrible sleep last night. I, I didn't sleep last night. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Yeah, I was I was up at four thirty and I was like, all right, not sleeping. Yep, we're uh, we're doing this. Uh, meeting this morning and then and then radio. Let's do this. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, going back. The, the, uh, from, yeah, you know, a perspective of somebody that's not played it, I think a lot of it is just the weird psychology of the game. Like, not even necessarily the, th like, the game design, like, the mechanics, but just, like, the, the concept of dying and, like, the game brutally punishing you. And, like, I, I'm not even talking, like, like, you being into, like, being punished or whatever, but just, like, the concept of like, you know, having to try again and again and again, and just like you, you could have like made any game that's just as brutal as this, and people would just keep playing it, right? Regardless oh, of yeah. like if there's any any skill involved, I don't know if there is because it, it kind of just sounds like you keep dying until you just get lucky. Uh, <laughs> no, that definitely uh, it seems very very close to what it is. Yeah, 
So it might just be like somehow you get a huge endorphin rush when you actually do succeed, and then that just gives you enough of a rush to get to the next parts. So yeah, I I think it might be something underlying. It might not be that you know Dark Souls is you know this amazing game, but somehow it tricks the brain. Into... People just like really like walking, I guess. I, I oh, know. that too, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, the new Dark Souls is out! Yay! But then everybody complains about you know quote unquote walking simulators. <sighs> Make it it's kind of the, it's the game. It's the walking simulator of the game. Why is anyone upset? I never get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? That's that's something we should we should dive into. That's, that's what we should like make the official start of the interview. How, <laughs> Dark how, Souls? Oh god! No 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 no. Uh, Steam. Like, how has feedback been on Steam? Have uh, you gotten us. some brutal just trolls? Um, actually, uh, so Steam is really weird for us. Um, mm-hmm. So we have what like eight games, and none of our games really sell crazy well on Steam. Um, despite them being like very very hard games, I don't know if it's the art style because like all of our games are really pretty. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um. But we do typically better through our own website um, than we do through Steam. But our reviews are great. Like, we don't get trolls at all. And we're also not amazing at managing the community there because it's not our largest, so we're not focusing on a lot. And since we're just two people, we can only, like, answer what we can in a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the most part, it's been crazy positive. Like, we look at a game and we're, like, 99% positive reviews. And I feel like I've seen that a lot in other people's games as well. I'm actually seeing... Is is that a thing that's happening? Because for most of the people's games I know who are friends of mine who've launched, they're getting like crazy good feedback. But I think what they have in common, what we have in common, is that we're very niche games. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're really catering to people who want like really artistic, off the wall, like pretty games with good music in them that are kind of puzzly and hard, um, which is so specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder if it's that you are, you know only catering to them like like you only get the message out to them that could be it or we it don't could... really we don't really have any dialogue at all we don't respond ever <laughs> it, it, well i mean it's true if if there's like an actual problem like a bug we don't even respond to that we just fix the bug and push an update hmm. um yeah i just never bother responding okay, so i wonder that's, if maybe that's okay. bad maybe i should start doing that <laughs> maybe but On the other side, maybe the trolls just don't exist because you don't have a presence. They're like, well, we're not trolling anybody, so what's the point? Or your games are so polished that they think that you're, like, some huge studio like, you know, Activision or or Blizzard or something. You think they think we are? I mean, they might. Yeah, I mean, your games are super, you know, polished. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, all we have in front of our game is that uh, we we kind of missed the whole indie bandwagon where like you sold yourself in some of the games, which mm-hmm. is sort of something Dan and I have always been a little sad about. That we uh, you know we sell as Cipher Prime, which is mm-hmm. kind of like this weird entity, but we don't really sell as like Greg or like Rami. Like mm-hmm. yeah, they, they you know Rami's they've got their own name behind them, Vlambeer. But really, you think of the people and you don't really think of the studio. Mm-hmm. People don't really think of Will and Dane. They definitely think of Cipher Prime. And uh, I think that may be a difference. Like we're not, 
we're not the face of our company like the company is. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the logo and it comes up, and then we half the time we don't even put our name in the credits of the games. Like what? the game we just launched, Tailwind, we didn't even put a credits page in there. It oh, just start, starts with the cipher problem, like our little banner roll, and that's it. See, I'm so narcissistic that, like, if, if I don't have my name, like, <laughs> where somebody can see it, no matter uh, how they decide to navigate through the menus, like, they'll see it, so... We should do it. Uh, we talk about it <laughs> once in a while, and we laugh, and we're like, oh, we forgot to do that, but we're, like, too busy trying to put, like, the last particle effect <laughs> on something that, like, it's so not important to put our names on there. It's just and a it, string. It happens sometimes, but it's, like, an update. It's, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Oh, credible. Oh, why why did my game update? Oh, we added our names to the, the menu screen. We forgot that we were important to this process at all. <laughs> we credited the people who put years of work into this game. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe we should we should think about that probably. <laughs> yeah. But if everything's working well uh, yeah. Because I, I almost, like, want to use you guys as a social experiment now to, like, compare you to other indies and see if this faceless organization is treated differently. Um, I, I think we are because in, in every way, like, I really don't know another indie studio that's sort of like that. Because um, I always just hear of the indies, like, the actual people behind them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, even Adam Atomic, like, okay, yeah, his name's Adam Slotsman, but he, like, made up a name for himself that is his name. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, like that's, that's still your name, man. Like it, it hasn't really changed that much. And I mean, you hear Finji and you still think Adam and yeah, you should think and, Adam and his, and, uh, Rebecca now. And that, I guess that's also about having like a big presence in the community and talking a lot, which mm-hmm. we sort of used to do a little bit, but we've really never done that. We've been kind of antisocial, I guess, kind of being trapped in Philly by ourselves has sort of done that for us. I mean, if you were in Philadelphia and you went to DevNet, you'd definitely think of Dane and Will. You wouldn't think Cypher Prime. But other than that, like, we don't have a huge presence. We do a GDC talk now and again. And when we do, we get up on the stage. We're like, hi, I'm Will from Cypher Prime. And then we, like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, from Cypher Prime. It's not, hi, I'm Will. Uh, it's, you know, that's always kind of, like, our emphasis. But we definitely do get treated differently. Uh, and I think we also get treated differently in our, our professional relationships, too. I don't know if it's 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 good, different, or bad, or bad, but I, I do know that it's different. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah, you you guys come off as you know very professional. Like I'm. It's not to say other indies are not professional, but it's it's more of like business professional rather than like personal pro- professional. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think we're very personal professional at all. Like that, we're horrible at. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, you know, we get we talk to Apple or whatever and it's like they're talking to Cypher Prime they never really think about the fact that it's Will or Dane it could be anybody um, <laughs> we've actually we've not been able to done meetings, do meetings before and we just send friends of ours and they just say they're blah 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 from Cypher Prime and nobody even <laughs> thinks twice about it amazing I'm okay well I'm gonna keep that in mind next time there's an event I'll just be like hey what's up I'm Brett Hudson from Cypher Prime Oh, you can totally do that. Hey, I didn't get the invite to the Valve party. I'm from Cypher Prime. Um, <laughs> probably would never work. They'd be like, who's that? <laughs> uh, hello, we, re- we released eight games on your platform. What, they sell like five copies, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so 
sad. Did we make you money <laughs> or not? <laughs> yeah. Valve parties are weird, man. I I'll never understand them because like you have the, like these so like these really creative like guys and girls in a room who you want to talk to because they're like kind of the best in the world at what they do. And then there's always some band that's really cool and way too loud. And all you want to do is talk to this awesome guy or girl next to you. And you can't. Isn't that and just like, like any venue ever? Every GDC party that I've ever gone to. And I, I just don't get it. Maybe that's a California thing because I don't live there and I don't go out partying there. So maybe that's like a – maybe that is just the way they do it. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Well, what, what you got to do then is have a Cypher Prime party where the band doesn't play loud enough and everybody's just like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like, So we do a Cypher know. Prime party every year uh, whenever we get a GDC or Indicate or anything. Wait, um, wait at Indicate too? Yeah, we've we've done it a bunch of times. What? Um, and we like invite all of our friends and stuff and then we actually we perform like because Dane's an actual musician. No so, way. but we like the way we'll do it is we just have like soft music on, and so, then like later at night when everybody's nice and drunk for like one hour, <laughs> we have a performance, and then that's it. Um, and it's super fun, and it's not a lot of people. It'll be like twenty five like people who are really cool that you want to talk to. Uh, <laughs> have you done that the last two years? Um, well, last year, well, this past year, we weren't there. We mm-hmm. haven't been around this past. Like this past year, we've kind of been at MIA. Uh-huh. Uh, because of the uh, the bike trip and everything else, um, we did do one last year at GDC. Uh, but instead of doing a party, we actually just we found a bar that was really uh, quiet and we invited a lot of people out. Um, <laughs> and I guess there was like thirty five of us, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as it hit like one o'clock, we went out and like went to a club. So it was sort of the same thing, but it wasn't it wasn't as cool as our normal parties. But uh, <laughs> we didn't have. Uh, We've been lucky where we've had some really cool hotel rooms in the past that weren't crazy expensive. So nice. Yeah, I've only uh, gone to Indicate the last two years. That's the only like exposure to um, festivals, expos, whatever you want to call them. Oh, and then you have like a crazy warped view because you're talking about Indicate West, right? The original. Yeah. Yeah, because Indicate is just unlike any other festival. That's, that's what I've been told. Like everybody's just super friendly, and you can just approach oh, anybody. Oh, dude, it's it is awesome. Like uh, I would I would gladly miss every festival for games just to go to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a it's a huge it's a huge difference between everything else, and it's it's kind of like by creators for creators is kind of what I think about it as. Yeah, that's that's totally what it is. And it's, it's weird because GDC is supposed to be like that, but it's not that. It's called <laughs> Game Developers Conference, and most of the people there are from, like, Sega or EA or something, and they're trying to figure out a way they can buy your entire company and steal everything. And it's just, like, <laughs> every conversation is somebody telling you how amazing they are and why you should listen to them. And, oh, no. You know, you go indicate somebody's just like, hey, you want to have a burger with me? And they, you know, they talk to you about their dog or something, and you happen to find out they, like made some sort of like neuroscience algorithm that's like changed the way people learn. That's actually not too far off from what happened to me the last indicate. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's just a, every, it's a common story. I feel like is yeah. just, and I'm having sitting down and having a really friendly conversation with somebody and then they end up being like hugely influential in your life. Yeah, no, I, I just walked into a random group and then somebody else five minutes later walked into that group and was like, Hey, we're going over to that uh, 
Oh, wait, what's the place? Public school. Who wants to come? And we all just got up and left. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and then and then I did talk algorithms with with uh, Alex Stamos there. And yeah, that just, sounds one hundred percent. Just accurate. drawn on <laughs> napkins, like yo, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's where uh, almost every one of our game designs uh, I've gotten and drawn on a napkin while at IndieCade. Um, <laughs> Except for the first two, because that's how we like got there. But ah, yep. Oh man, so so you're at twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. That would have been two years ago, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been there. We've we have been, yeah, we've been there a lot. We've been a finalist, I think, three wow. times uh, for the awards. Because that, that was the first one that I went to, but we we didn't know each other, so. Yeah, probably. I was probably just on the sidewalk talking to somebody. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> um, so, were you in the firehouse then? Uh, yeah, we, I think we were in the firehouse. Um, we had elbow room there, I think, that year. Okay. Did we have elbow room? No, Did that would have been year. That would have been 2015. Uh, oh, what would that? That probably would have been Splice. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you know what? That does sound right. I think I do remember seeing Splice there, and I was like, "Whoa, cool." <laughs> Splice, is, Splice is just a weird game for. Um, any kind of like really like drawn out thought process game puzzle game is not great for uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, really, our only game that's been great for that is Elbow Room and Intake mm-hmm. because they're like high energy and they're fast gameplays, and <laughs> you know you can kind of joke around. But all of our like thought process games not great for showing off at events where there's a lot of people and a lot of noise. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a really good one that I played this past year and they they had headphones that i think were also noise canceling so that worked yeah, out pretty well yeah we do that too but it's just still it's very hard to convince somebody to be like hey i know you're having a great time with your friends and everyone's laughing jerking around do you want to like get real serious for five minutes <laughs> do you want to take an serious. adventure and splice is hard too because there's like nothing else like splice mm-hmm. you're like yeah do you want to come down to a gene splicing game and they're like uh gene splicing sounds real fun <laughs> we, know, we like, promise like, you will come science-y. out. It's not really science. You'll love it. It's a hard sale. You you'll come out with all your body parts intact. Promise. I promise. It's nothing like the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can imagine that would be quite a hard sell, though. Oh, it is. It's a hard sell. When people play it, they're like, "Whoa!" I just, I actually just saw today that we made a. I saw a thing from Rami, and it was just like a, a tweet, and it just said, holy shit. And it was uh, Pocket Gamers' top 100 games of mobile games of all time. And, like, Ridiculous Fishing was, like, number two or something. And I was just, like, scanning through the list, and I found out Splice is on there at, like, 98 or something. <laughs> it still made the list. I was like, yeah, we're in the top 100. <laughs> I kind of wish we had hit, like, the 99 spot, though. I feel like that would have been – I would have been down for that because it's just a little funnier. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, someday, someday, <laughs> someday. It's just one person needs to release a better game. That's yeah, I'm just, I'm just begging. You know, maybe like Greg Woolwind will make a game with me one day, and then, you know, it'll be great. Everything he touches is just seems to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. So Trees was up there too, so he's like, he's probably got like two or three in the top ten of that list. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I whenever I see his name attached to something, I'm just like. Oh, this is going to be a good game. 
Yeah, man, he's uh, he's always been really prolific. Like I've known him for a long time because he was like just like me, like I guess one of the, the older the older guys before we had this term indies. And uh, <laughs> he he's weird because he's he's like kind of in between, right? Like he uh-huh. uh, he's Greg Rowland, but he doesn't really sell himself as a brand or a person. He just kind of goes out there, kicks ass, and then uh, never says anything, and then he just starts kicking ass again. Yeah, you know, I don't even know what the guy looks like. Uh, like he actually never looks seen just him. like me, but he's taller. Uh, he's bald and he has a beard. Um, yeah, we are. We look almost identical, <laughs> uh, but he's taller than me. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come up to him and like jump on him and be like, "Will, what's up?" And he's we have like, very uh, different personalities. Uh, <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> He's a he's much more methodical, and uh, when you have a conversation, he spends a lot of time in deep thought before uh, answering questions. And I'm just more like jumping around and you know jumping on things, <laughs> both in the literal and yeah uh, metaphorical sense. <laughs> yeah, because you're also friends with uh, a Mr. Uh, Sean Pierre. Oh yeah, I love Sean. Mm-hmm. He goes tippy tappy in my heart, heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was on he was on the show a while back, I think. Oh yeah, Sean. So Sean and I started Dev Night together, which is our um, it's the weekly event mm-hmm. we do at the Forge, the co-working space I run. And uh, yeah, we've been friends for a really long time. I kind of like stalked him into friendship, so <laughs> I feel real good about you, it. You stalked him into friendship? Yeah. So uh, years and years ago, we had this IRC meetup group uh, in Philly, like uh, uh, close to eight years ago. And I went to it, and there was just these five guys um, outside of a Chick-fil-A, and that was, like, their meeting. And they didn't really do anything, in there. but I met Sean there, and he was super cool, and Sean was, like, very, very quiet. Like, even now, he's kind of subdued, but he was insanely quiet back then. Whoa. And I just kept talking to him on IRC, because he just had such cool ideas, and he was just a neat dude. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I started going to this Unity user group that I eventually ended up help running, and Sean was the first person who showed up there. And I was like, oh, my God. It was my first time seeing Sean in person since that day, which had been like a year and a half prior. And then ever <laughs> since then, I was like, I'm never letting you go. And Dev Night was just us hanging out, the two of us working on projects together. Um, sort of like a dedicated time where we could tell like the girls in our life, hey, this is our night. We're going to work on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to work late. And more and more people kept showing up. And uh, our relationship is still like that. It's like... Sean, like, tolerates me, and I just, like, love him, uh, like, unbridled. Perfect. <laughs> it's a very strange one-sided relationship, and I am so okay with it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love you, Will. You... <laughs> Everything you say, it just... Sean just makes just my life brighter, so... He's, not, get... my He's not getting away. He's trying. They, uh... <laughs> They, my birthday was this year, well, because it happens every year, like oh, other people. Oh, nice. Uh, but it was in February, and uh, at Dev Night, they, like, had me sit down, and they did this, like, plaque, and it was really cool. They basically were, like, thanking me for helping stuff and running Dev Night, and they made the plaque, but on the bottom of the plaque, it said it was an official registry of marriage for Sean Pierre. <laughs> I, I proudly kiss it every night before I go to bed. <laughs> Uh, well, it's recorded here. We we've got it on yeah, tape. I, I just want you to know, Sean. I love you. If it's you're a, out there, it's official. I'll, uh, <laughs> I I'll isolate that. It's at fifty fifty six minutes. Yes. Um, 
and I, I didn't catch the seconds, but I think it was like 40, 45. I'll, I'll clip it out and just send it over the, uh, the Twitters. His French fries are my most terrible hot dogs. <laughs> I forgot about that. Is that out? Uh, yeah, so it, it went out, and he had. It, it's really funny, but yeah, I know it, it went out. It did well. It was like my only time that I got to work with Sean. I need, 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 need. Oh, you know what? That's right. You know what? Yeah, I do remember him saying that you guys were working together, and he was excited well, about that. It's to- it was totally his game. He did everything, uh, but I just designed it. I just you know like spent a little time and made some cards pretty. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, okay. It's, it's, I, th- I thought it's... you were saying you you did game design. I was like, wait, what? No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, we, uh, we always have these like grand aspirations of working on things together, mm-hmm. and then we end up hanging out, and then we get on some sort of like weirdly bullshit conversation and go down some sort of wormhole for like eight hours and then we pop out and realize we did nothing and that is every single time we hang out regardless of how often or how infrequently so someday someday we'll do that but that project it was like kind of his and i was like man you really need a visual upgrade and he's like what i'm like like this (laughs) so maybe you guys need to do something uh you know physical um no, no 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 not not like that i mean like building something together yeah, no, probably. Uh, we're, we're talking about it. We've both been pretty busy with because we, we just tend to bog ourselves down with way too many projects. And I've been really uh, conscious lately about making sure that I'm not overcommitting myself to things, mm-hmm. like even, even to myself. Um, and he's still in the throes of, of learning that process because uh, he's great currently right now has like seven things on deck. And so I think when he frees up a little bit, we're going to try it again. Yeah, no, that, that's a common theme among indies. It's so easy, man. Oh, Especially when you're doing a game jam a month, because like you get attached to something, and then suddenly yes. like it's you have twelve projects you made plus whatever game you made that year, and it's so easy to just like go back to something because you are hype about it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that indies just are so passionate about games, and when you are that passionate about something like. It's it is so easy to get attached to things, and you know you just you get an idea and you want to do it. Oh, yeah. Like there's no stopping you. And I mean, Sean's even way worse than that because he does like professional dance. He's a singer. He writes songs. Sings? He spends he spends an hour a day writing doing a music track. Um, he does comedy. Like just screw Sean Pierre, basically. <laughs> so you went from loving him to. No, I still love him. Okay, okay, good. But I'm in, I'm in awe, constant <laughs> awe. Yeah, no, I have no idea how he manages that. Yeah, well, that's that he doesn't. That's the problem. Okay, okay, <laughs> good. Okay, so <laughs> imagine being like that passionate, like an idiot, but about everything you do, and that's uh, that's him. That's kind of why I follow him around. I like soak up the passion, you know. Oh, you know that's a good idea. Yeah, dude, you gotta... people should do that. I I I don't need to do that because I already have enough projects on my plate. But yeah, no, it's I like that. Follow follow the people who are the most passionate and be inspired. Yeah, you'll never have to be inspired again. It's the truth. Find your Sean. Yeah, find your your inner Sean. So we uh, we brought up the Philly Game Forge a little bit. But I don't think anybody uh, quite knows, knows what that, that is, is if they haven't heard of it before. So you wanna you wanna give a little rundown of what the Philly yeah. Game Forge is? 
So the GameForge, I guess it's uh, it would be one of America's oldest game co-working spaces, I guess, at this point. And uh, it's funny because it's actually in Philadelphia in Old City, which is kind of like the historic <laughs> five blocks in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It has like still has the original cobblestone streets. Um, the first like actual city street is in Old City in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and uh, like a block away is the Liberty Bell. Um, it's like a really interesting historic area. But we're there just out of circumstance, and uh, so Dan and I have been around, what, we've been doing this eight years, and then uh, the Forge, we've been in that spot for six years, and the Forge has been there for four or five years, mm-hmm. and then we've been running Dev Night for the entirety of that. And um, so what the Forge is, is basically just this co-working space where it's, it's pretty much almost every game developer in Philadelphia works out of it. We have 52 members. And a lot of those people, so like on a given day, there's probably like 20 people who work, anywhere from like three to 20 people who work in the office. And it's, it's really strange because, you know, we have those people who come in like once a week, once a month, once a year. And then we also have our regulars uh, who work there like every day. Mm-hmm. And it's also where we do a lot of events, which Dev Night, which is our like, we do every single Thursday night, which is just a celebration of making games. We do a game jam a month there. We have a book club where we sign in, we assign an indie game and we we play it and talk about it critically. Like, why did they make these decisions in the game? We do indie tournaments, which are just indie games that we like every month, <laughs> and then we uh, we try to get copies of those games and then give them out as the prizes. Ooh. Um, and then we do another night that's talks. And then every once in a while, there's a fifth Thursday, and when we do that. We do like a we call it play date. And what we do is we make up like crowd crowd games where you can because Dev Night's pretty large. It's close to 100 people every week, um, and uh, so that's kind of like the Forge. It Forge is there, and it's like a co-working space. And then it's also and you know it's where we are Cypher Prime. And mm-hmm. then it's also where we do Dev Night every week, which I run with Sean. And now we actually have a, a group of people who run it. We have 13 people, uh, and we call them the Dev Knights. Um, Dev Knights. Yeah, and so they run everything and. Sean and I are definitely like we've we've pulled back a little bit from um, as much as we do at Dev Night. Now I'm kind of like an MC, and I just make sure that everyone does what they say they're going to do. And Sean <laughs> runs the uh, he runs the tournaments and the book clubs because he's super passionate about that stuff. Uh, but we actually stopped running. I used to the big thing I used to do was the game jams every month. But uh, I actually our buddy Jayco runs the the, uh, the game jams now, so that Sean and I can participate every month, which is so much cooler. Wow, you guys do twice as much stuff as I thought you did. Uh, we do a lot, man. Everybody, uh, it, it flies under the radar because we're not in California, and <laughs> as I said, we don't like we're not screaming on the internet every minute. Like this is all the things we do. We actually mm-hmm. just don't have time to scream about all the crap we're doing. And uh, I also like, I guess Dan. It's just, I guess Dan and I and Sean, like all three of us, it's not really our personalities to be like, hey, check out this thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I wish it was because I feel like it's really successful and it helps you a lot, but unfortunately, not what we do. So you just need an, another person that you know looks similar to we, one of you guys to just we need be like Rami, man. We've been talking about it forever. <laughs> we want somebody like him who's like loud and proud and tall. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was gonna say somebody that just pretends to be one of you. That, oh my that god, is a Rami. <laughs> So, you know, just someone goes around and is like, oh, hey, I'm William Salford. I, I run Cypher Prime. Uh, I'm super... I think most people don't know what I look like, so I think that would be probably totally fine. Yeah, there you go. You've got it. 
Yeah, I just cut the paint, paint a quake tattoo on somebody and let them go. <laughs> you have a quake tattoo? Ah, yeah, I got quake, uh, my when I was eighteen, my eighteenth birthday, I got a quake three tattoo in my right arm. Wow. I've got a lot of tattoos, but uh, my first one was a quake one, and I it's still my favorite. Huh. I don't know how I didn't didn't notice that when we were when we were in Florida. You probably saw it and were like, "What?" <laughs> probably, <laughs> no, I I, I think I would have remembered it more. I would have been like, "Whoa, quake." Yeah, no, it's 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 not small either. It's a it's a decent sized quake tattoo. Huh. I guess I guess I was just so um, excited to see Greg. That. Oh yeah, no, I can understand that. Couldn't couldn't see any tattoos. Like just... we were also exhausted. We did like over 120 miles that day. So oh yeah, we, that too. And it was like the middle of the day still, and we still <laughs> had to go far. So we were. I was I was a little mentally out of it. So yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure people listening to this might be a little lost. Um, Will was part of a group that biked from Philadelphia all the way down to Florida, which is where I was living at the time. Uh, we met up at Steak and Shake. I introduced them to the $4 uh, steak burgers. Oh, so good. And then uh, you guys biked to Georgia, right? That's where you... Um, we went all the way down to Miami. Um, and then... Uh... Actually, Greg kept going. I was Savannah and I were keep going, but mm-hmm. uh, the problem was that uh, Cipher Pro- we had been doing some sales, like uh-huh. some humble bundle sales, and the numbers were totally different than what they were supposed to be uh, uh-huh. by like a huge magnitude. They were like one thirty two of what our projected earnings were. Uh, so I went back to Philly to uh, concentrate on games again. Mm, okay, so you know, I I never uh, know what happened. I thought that you guys were just like uh, you can't do this anymore. Or... No, no. Actually, I was really pumped, and we wanted to keep going, but the uh, it was un- unfortunately we just didn't have the money to keep going. Like, uh, there's a, like definitely a little bit of privilege and a lot of planning that goes into a trip like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had money saved up for a while, and I looked at the money and I was like, "Well, I have enough money to do the trip, but uh, when I get back, I don't know how my company is going to be doing." And you know, I have responsibility for the Forge and Dev Knight and Dane and. Uh, yeah, I just cause I I didn't think it would uh, be prudent of me to to keep going. So makes sense. And then Savannah kind of like she she was sort of going because she wanted to spend time with me. So uh, <laughs> after I after I wasn't going, go, I guess she didn't want to go on with her own. So yeah, makes sense. And then Greg, he went on. He had some crazy adventures solo. Yeah, man. Yeah, meeting up time. with other bikers for a while and then making. Well, we actually challenge. we met a lot of bikers. Uh, during the last like run like after I actually want to say like the day after we met you I met this dude on the, on the side of the road uh, just like hollering at him who was a biker and then within three days we met like five of them whoa and, yeah yeah and it was really cool and we ended up having and you know one of them this girl um, I, I think she ended up like doing the whole bike trip with Greg at different points oh yeah I, I think he kept seeing her along the whole way she was very cool too I I do remember hearing something about that, and then I th- I think they or her trip was to Texas or something. Yeah, yeah. So like I I know that they like kept going with each other for quite a long time, and like it was weird because even when we met these you know, you know guys and girls going down the East Coast, they were like uh, they would kind of like we would see them on the side of the road just biking the same paths we were biking, and then we'd hang out for like a day or two, and they'd go away, and then you know a day would go by or two days would go by, and we'd see them again, and we'd be like, hey, you want to get a a hostel together, and then. And we just kind of like weaved in and out of each other's lives. It was really interesting. Wow, that's gonna be so bizarre. Oh. 
Yeah, and I, apparently that kept on going on with uh, Greg and Simone for their, you know, to, all the way to Texas. I'd love to do something like that, but it's such a huge time commitment. That's that's where I wouldn't be able to. Do yeah, that. so that was exactly my problem, right? Like, uh, the, I'm in Miami and I'm like doing one of the, like defining. I'm in a defining moment of my life, and like you can keep going and you can bike across America, uh, or you could potentially lose your company. And that was kind of like where my head was at. And honestly, I, I couldn't even think about making a decision. I was just like, you have to get back to Philadelphia. You have to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard the numbers and I looked at it. And the next day I was on the auto train and I had my bike apart. <laughs> and then the last trip that I took on my bike since that trip was I reassembled the bike when I got back in Philadelphia and immediately rode to Cyber Prime. I didn't even go home. Whoa. Um, well, actually, I didn't have a home at the time, but I now that I'm thinking about it, but I didn't like go to a friend's house. I like immediately went to Cyber Prime. I was like, okay, what's our situation at? Yeah. Well, I, I suppose yeah. If you're like I, you know, um, quitting quitting the the bike trip and just like flying back like that, you probably would go there first. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no sleep though. That's that's crazy. You're just like boom. I gotta I gotta go. Yep. No, just immediately beelined it. Wow. And things have gone gone well since then, though. It's been a good good decision. Um. So we've done a lot of stuff since then, actually. Mm-hmm. So, but one of the other reasons was the forge. Like, um, typically in a co working space, like one or two people come in, and it's kind of easier to run. But mm-hmm. with the forge, uh, it's mostly teams, and we had a team of seven that left. Uh, the day before that I came back. That was another part of the decision. It wasn't just Cyber Prime. It was also The Forge. It was also Dev Night. So it was kind of like all of these livelihoods at once. Mm. So uh, the team of seven had left. And we kind of knew it was coming, but we thought it was going to be like another month or two. Um, and, it, you know, it was all left on good terms and everything. So it's not like that. But it it was it was actually great for them. And we still talk to them. And one of my best friends owns that company. But so we had to go back and I had to do that. So that's kind of like stabilized, but you know, who knows? That's always been up in the air. It is definitely hard to financially keep the forge afloat. Like normally what happens is Cypher Prime kind of like fits the bill every month. Like if there's overhead and stuff, we normally take care of it. But mm-hmm. uh, the past year has been really terrible for us and uh, sales haven't gone as well. And just the frontier of how you sell games has changed a lot. So we're kind of bouncing back, but honestly not doing um, – we're just kind of like scraping by on the edge of our teeth. Mm-hmm. And we did just make a new game um, that went out through the Humble Monthly called Tailwind, mm-hmm. which I was talking a little bit about. You should segue, and, and I was going to segue into that. You you read my mind. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, so that, that game, uh, I don't know if, I know you haven't got a chance to play it, but it, like, mm-hmm. typically when you talk to me after you make a game, I'm kind of like a little down on the game, and I, it's never really what I want to be. But Tailwind like really is like, it's just fucking phenomenal, and it's a great game. And we've been getting responses from people. Like, I got a tweet the other day that was just like, I played over 80 games last year through Humble and the Monthly and everything, and this was, like, by far the best experience I had after six minutes. And so we don't really normally get people saying anything like that. Like, people like, like our games, but they don't never – they don't really, like – like, they don't love them like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was really good to hear. And so we've gotten, like, three or four tweets from that, but – it's just a weird way that the, the launch strategy is happening. So it's not really launched. It's like if you were part of the Humble Monthly, you got it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's like no way to get it for about four months. For four uh, months, okay. Yeah, but you know, just to, to be like three months into this year already and have released a game that is as good or if not better than the games we already have 
in our portfolio. It just feels it feels amazing. Even if it's not a big monetary win, it's just a huge like it's a huge ego booster and it makes me feel confident that this year would be the year that we kind of really like turn things around a little bit. So I know I know it's like a long answer to your question, but uh, it's it's a hard question to answer because uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. But we've somehow been doing this for like eight years, so I guess I guess things are going well, and I, I hope they continue to keep going. So nice. So so they're going, but you're just not sure if they're they're going well per se. <laughs> yeah, they're not going well. Uh, the answer is they're not going well, but they are going. Uh, we've got enough momentum that we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but. Um, uh, who knows? You know, we basically we made a mistake a couple years ago where we had done a Kickstarter uh, for Auditorium Duet, and mm-hmm. ever since we've done that, things have been going downhill progressively. Uh, it was the worst decision we've ever made. So, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's a really hard decision to turn back from. So that's kind of been like it's been a big sticking point for us, mm-hmm. and we're just starting to path to, to push past that. I think. I got gotcha. you. So, which which game was it? Uh, the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a sequel to our very first game, Auditorium, which is about beams of light that you bend to conduct an orchestra. Um, and it was called Auditorium Duet, and we raised around seventy grand for it. And mm-hmm. it was it was well, be- it was right before like the Tim Schafer incident, where like they got like millions of dollars. And but at that time, like asking for that money on Kickstarter was insane. But uh, by the time we had given out the monetary, like the uh, the merchandise awards and everything for the tiers. We had around like ten grand left, and uh, we're pretty famous for like showing our burn rate. And at that time, our burn rate was everyone was making around thirty k a year, and we had five people, and it cost around fifteen dollars, fifteen k a month to run the studio, and it took a month to actually do the Kickstarter itself while we had that full team. Yeah. So before we even did anything, before we even worked on the game, we were negative five. Five grand, Ooh. and and the thing I don't like about Kickstarter, you know, which I wish I had ever, we'd thought about beforehand, because ultimately it was Dan and I's decision to go through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were still finishing up Splice at the time, like it wasn't. We hadn't launched the game yet, yeah. and we were we were doing the Kickstarter just to prove wherewithal to like make sure that we weren't going to make Auditorium Duet and nobody was going to want it because it was an older game, right? And it was a web game, and we weren't sure that anybody would ever pay for it. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to know if we were going to spend a lot of our time and money into this game because we were like, we're going to do a game for like two or three years. This is going to be the game. But we wanted to make sure people actually wanted it first. So we did the Kickstarter. But what it really did was it give, gave people these crazy unrealistic expectations of how long it takes to make a game, how we make the game, what our process is, how we communicate with people. And as I said, like Dan and I are notoriously bad about like being <laughs> like, hey, this is what we're working on. That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Kickstarter is all about communication. Yeah, and Kickstarter is num- like the number one thing about a Kickstarter is like you being good at that. Like you don't actually have to really ever deliver; you just have to be really good at that. Yeah, and we are absolutely terrible at that. We always have been, and we're really upfront and honest about that because we're tr- really trying to busy, like really trying very hard to be better at what we do and to work. And like we shut our phones off the entirety of the day, and we we have like these things called silent hours where we just disconnect the internet, Whoa. and uh, we do that multiple times a day, every day to like work. And uh, that kind of like breeds in a weird outside communication thing. Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of like one of the reasons why we're like this. And uh, it makes our projects better and it makes us better at working, but it, it really does hurt communication. So the Kickstarter is just like every day waking up into to people being really upset. And we 
you know, we promised a multiplayer version of Auditorium, uh, which was super difficult and super hard. And we started with doing like uh, proxy based stuff and all that sort of like, you know, matchmaking. We did all that. That took like a year to get all that tech up and running. Uh, and you did not have anything good for that at the time. And then when we finally got that up and running and we started to build the game, uh, there was no particle system that could even remotely handle it that was built in Unity. So we had to build all that from the ground up. Um, and we did, and then it started looking pretty. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we went to like make the game with two people, now it's like two years later. Um, and based on a production schedule, like people think the game was going to be like for six months because typically a, a Cypher Prime game comes out every six months. And, uh, you know, we spent a hell of a lot of money. And this whole time, we were, we, all of the money we've made from all of our games combined have gone into Duet, and they paid for that five-person team that entire time. Uh, mind you after already being five grand in the hole just from doing the Kickstarter and so all these people on Kickstarter are like they're upset they're like where did my money go blah blah I'm like well you already got your rewards except for the game like that's actually where the money went (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but you know nobody wants to hear that and it makes sense like if I put myself in their position I like kind of paid for a thing and I want to get it but when we started doing the Kickstarter for Duet the the consensus of Kickstarter really was you were kind of funding an idea and it may not come mm-hmm. to fruition. But over that time period, over the course of a year or two, uh, Kickstarter had completely redone their terms of service and how it works mm-hmm. and it had become more of what I would call like a pre-ordering model. Yep. And so the expectations of people changed even though they signed up for it years prior. So now we're kind of beholden to the viewpoints of society that was not that were that were not the same when we signed up for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So in our mind, we're like, well, we, we have to do is we have to really try hard to make this thing, and they, people are behind us and they're backing us and they're really helping us and they want us to do it. But the truth is, everyone's mind had shifted to this is a pre-order and I don't have my game yet, <laughs> and uh, it's really dangerous and it's really terrifying and I'm never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And we also promised this multiplayer version, and when we finally did make it, it was like year three. So you spent like three years building a game, and then you find out that the thing you promised is trash. Like, you try out the idea, and it just fundamentally is not fun. And what do you do? Do you launch, like, do you give them, like, this really crappy thing? Or... Uh, uh, so, so I'm not really sure what you do. We actually have to, uh, we're going to probably like in the next week or two, we're going to figure out what we're going to say about that. Oh, you um, still haven't released this? No, there's no, there's nothing to release. It's, it's terrible. Uh, the game is not good. Um, we, we promised everything. We, we did it. We, uh, we've worked so unbelievably hard. We have tried, we've had so many sleeping nights and, uh, during the time period, we've ran out of money a couple times where we've had to make other games to make money because that's the only thing we know how to do, uh, which, of course, has made people even more upset because they're like, you're launching these other games and you're not finishing Auditorium. And uh, so when we first started, we had five people. Our company was doing really well. Um, we just launched Splice, and it just like, you know, it was like a Hall of Fame game for iOS. It did really well. And from the start, we did that Kickstarter to now... Now we're back down to four. We're now back down to just Dane and I. Uh, we uh, last year we didn't make any money. Um, our savings ran out. We had to make a new game, Tailwind, uh, which hopefully will pay for a little bit more time. Uh, but we've kind of come to the point where uh, we can look at it and go back and be like, "Well, what happens?" And the Kickstarter happens, uh, and it really just comes down to expectations being insane. 
and you have to be so careful with them because you're, you know, in game development, you, you go to try something and you have this idea and sometimes like, you know, you build it and it sucks. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what happens when you build something and you spend three years worth of money on it and it sucks? What, what the, we've, what do you do? Like, how do you even approach that personal failure, let alone like admitting it and talking about it? And, uh, other people are involved now. Um, so that's a really scary, delicate thing uh, that we have to think about and, and figure out. But we're going to be giving – we're definitely going to show people like all the stuff we've made and, and giving it out. And we, we did do – we did a huge art show with mm-hmm. all the art behind it. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I didn't. Um, you should like that to me. Yeah, we've – it's like – it's we've traveled so far.com. Uh, and we actually used a leap motion to like pour liquid light down people's faces. Uh, real time using the duet engine you can see there's like a little uh, video there in the beginning you know and this that. is like the actual game as it stands right now with the way it looks mm-hmm. um, and it looks it looks gorgeous it, like it, it's a really pretty game uh, but what we really were able to do is get a good version of the original game as a single player game and like really beefed up into the new age and a better version of it uh, but we were never able to do the, the two player experience huh. so uh, we've gotten everything to the point with where we've like told ourselves, listen, the multiplayer is not going to work. Uh, the engine's amazing. Uh, the game mechanics still work. That's cool. Uh, if we want to do it, we are at a point where the engine's done and the editors are built, but the content's not there hmm. because the content's music and we have to build all that and create it. So we have to make a decision soon if we want to spend three months to make the single-player version um, or to kind of admit defeat, yeah. which is... Unbelievably scary. I I don't know what to tell you that. Yeah, dude, it, difficult. The, the, no one has any answers because it's just a um, that's just a hard thing to deal with, and you know that's business, right? I guess that it happens. Failures mm-hmm. failures happen. I mean, large companies go under all the time too, so it's not like a it's not a surprise that a small company makes like a little mistake that gets big over time. Mm-hmm. But this is the year. <laughs> this year we figure it all out. This is the year of Cypher Prime. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I am determined to figure it all out and to, to make it good. Yeah. I want to try this uh, leap motion thing. Um, I uh, really want to try it. It, it, <laughs> it is gnarly. We actually uh, we did make it public. So it's if you have a leap motion, you I can do. download it and play with it. I don't know where it is, but uh, when I when I move and unbox all my stuff, <laughs> I'll play it. Where where do you find that? Is it just the um, stuff on Cypher? It put, it's it's headlight on itch.io. We put it on itch. Oh okay. Uh, here I'll get you a link real quick. Put it on um, itch and not Game Jolt. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, here it is. This is it. But yeah, so we actually we we made a after we did the art show. Uh-huh. Uh, people really liked it, and we made a standalone version. It's not perfect because the way that this thing works for resolutions is that the uh, particle system has to like. We have a small bug that we can fix with it, and we just never got around to it mm-hmm. because this is just kind of a thing we put out there. So, depending on your screen resolution, you're going to have varied results because there's going to be like not enough particles or not or too many, or yeah. it could be just right depending on. The, well, uh, what's the what's the just right resolution? Uh, twenty forty eight by something. Twenty twenty forty eight. Yeah, 
Well, because we, we we built it, we actually built oh twenty forty eight. Sorry, I thought you were saying twelve forty eight, and I was like, no, who the hell is twelve forty eight? Twenty forty eight. Okay. No, yeah, I mean, when we built built it, it is we actually built a, an actual kiosk. Like it is a booth. Like mm-hmm. it's it's meant for a. If you if you go to the interactive page, you'll see it. Like it's an actual yep. booth with like it's it's this white column, and we we did all the wood like the craftsmanship ourselves and the, the monitors built into it. So we, we built it, we built it for a very specific one monitor resolution, but the show was great. It actually let, it went on for an entirety of a month and that was like a big thing for us to make us feel good about the tech and, uh, like feeling good about where duet was at in a way, because every time we've ever done a Kickstarter update, no matter what we show and how cool the stuff is, we show people are just like pissed off. Um, <laughs> we just never get a response about anything we make which is it's as a creator it's like soul crushing it's it's very hard to wake up the next day and even want to work on the project Mm -hmm. especially when you're getting like hate mail you're like really come on bro (laughs) i got one the other day that i thought was really uh impressive it was um oh what the hell was it it's cool to see that a kickstarter is just another form of welfare whoa yeah that was like that's one of my favorites of all time. I think that I got. So so earlier when I asked if you've been getting any you know negative feedback on Steam, I should have just said, have you been getting any at all? Because obviously you you're. Oh my my day every day starts with hate mail, um, but it's all from Kickstarter and that's it. Okay, so once once this whole Kickstarter fiasco is over, hopefully. Well, just... the thing is, though, what I realized about it is it just won't ever be over because it's a public forum and you can't turn it off. Um, and I think that that's like a really negative thing for Kickstarter mm-hmm. and like I understand what they're trying to do is hold people accountable but at some people like this herd mentality becomes like way more damaging than than helpful Yeah, and it can definitely turn around where people have like worked their ass off and done nothing but but try to be the best people they can be and really try hard to like fulfill and then they just get shit on. And I've seen a lot of it. And I've also seen the exact opposite where people really deserved to have gotten, like, you know, harassed a little bit. But the problem with the internet is, like, it just doesn't see the harassment doesn't stop. Yeah. Like, like, you know, eye for an eye is all well and good, but, like, you, like you're supposed to stop at the eye. <laughs> you're not supposed to also go for the, the liver? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, yo, bro, uh, like, because that just escalates, right? Because then, mm-hmm. like, then they have to go for the liver, then you go for the heart, then they have to go for the heart, and then next thing you know, you're killing each other's families, and then this is how worlds divide. This is what's going to happen. Kickstarter is going to be, it's going to be it. It's going to be the next world war, right there. World War Three Kickstarter. Yeah, that's it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's it. It's going to happen all virtually on the internet. I'm hitting up we're Hollywood just, right now. Yeah, we're just killing everyone's Twitter accounts. <laughs> So yeah, Twitter Twitter bots going crazy. Um, uh, what else? Oh, everybody's Instagramming it. Yep, pictures. You know. Oh, that would be it. Extra likes if you you know kill somebody notable's family or something. Oh yeah. All right. This wow. I think this is the darkest ever the show's ever gotten. We've never never. Talked oh, I'm about sorry. That. I'm like normally a pretty chipper dude. I'm not. No, 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 no. I mean like <laughs> like killing people. We we don't <laughs> usually talk about that. Just kill them all. Just kill them all. <laughs> oh. oh man. So, uh, 
there is one more thing that I want to bring up because we are getting around the hour and a half mark and I'm sure you're getting a little like, oh man, need to get up and stretch. Um, so or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Uh, the, um, yeah, no, uh, humble. That That's what it is. The tailwind stuff, yeah. Yes. So what, where, who, who contacted who? Where, where did you get the idea? Who, who came up with the idea to have a Cypher Prime game on the Humble as an exclusive. So I'm not sure how much you know about uh, like Humble Bundle and its origins, but um, like back in the day, like Cypher Prime, we created the first indie bundles uh, called the Indie Love Bundles and the Indie Bundle. Like we still own like the dot coms for them, well before Humble Bundle actually started. Really? Um, and when they first started, like uh, you know, we had like a long like huge text chat with a bunch of people like on an email. And we were all going to do it together, but like the timing didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we did it, we didn't take a cut for it. And we originally did it just because we wanted to like see if this idea would work. And it, like the Seven Prime games were in one of them, but we we did uh, we did two of them, and then that was all the games we had. And then, but people kept wanting them, and uh, we didn't take a cut for it or anything. So it wasn't really a good business decision for us, and it was really hard because. Um, you know, once again, we're talking about like being really good at communication and us not being good at great at it and like mm-hmm. wanting to work on stuff. And so it wasn't really a good fit for us. And Humble was just sort of starting. Um, so that's kind of like we we have like a long history with them because that's kind of like they, they sort of like took the reins like like unofficially, officially. Um, <laughs> even though there was really like not a lot of talk between us, it was just like we were doing it for quite a while and then we sort of stopped doing it and there was a lull and then the the Humble Bundles came out and they just like, they did everything a million times better than we were doing it. Um, and, we, you know, which I'm so incredibly thankful for because I think it's great. And, <laughs> and since then, we've been in a bunch of them. And it's, it's really nice to not have to be the person doing those bundles because we were, uh, you know, the, the system and everything we built was great. But yeah, that, that's so that's like, the, like, so we've always been kind of intertwined from this like origin story of like both kind of doing a thing at the same time. Uh, and John Graham, uh, who's over there at Humble, is just like, dude, he's like the nicest guy, and I see him every year, and he's like, I miss GDC, and I, I was thinking about it this year, uh, I even sent him an email because, oh, we miss GDC, and you know, you miss those conversations with five or six people, like, and when we weren't there this year, one of the people I thought of was like John Graham, and then I thought of somebody else, and I was like, well, John Poulsen. You know, I immediately realized they're both over at Humble Bundle. Like, <laughs> two out of the ten people who I dire missed talking to, not only are they there, but they're at the same company. And then I kept thinking, and I was like, oh, and then there was, like, a couple people that came to mind, and uh, it's just a great company and a great amount of people. Mm-hmm. But when we were having a hard time this year, I reached out to John, and I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, we do a lot of web stuff, and we're familiar with their back end and how everything works, like do you guys have any web development work we could help you out with? We're kind of in a bind. Uh, and I would, you know, we would be more than honored to help you guys with anything you need, like front end, back end development. And he said, they've got like a new program, uh, for this, uh, this, you know, the humble monthly where they're doing this origins thing. And that, uh, if we're down, maybe we can make a game for it. (laughs) And, uh, that's sort of how the conversation started. And, you know, we were like, wait a second, that sounds like way better than doing web development. (laughs) Uh, and when Dan and I approached it we had had we had done a train jam like many years ago um, Mm -hmm. going going to Boston probably like six years ago Um, 
And uh, it's funny because we met Adrian and we talked we talked to her about it. And now she's doing that huge train jam. That's just incredible. And uh, we so made this you're little game. Weaved with all these different things. Well, we've been around for a long time, man. Uh, I think that you'll find like all these cool things are happening. Like a lot of people have been doing them for a long time, and they don't have names. And then somebody great comes along and makes it a thing. And I, I just think it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's really cool. There's just so many great things that are happening now. Uh, we never would have thought of a huge train jam happening from, like... <laughs> yeah, people flying in from all over the world. That's so insane and so incredible. Like, can we, that that's just an amazing thing. Uh, it's so different than Andre Day and I on a train going to Boston for uh, <laughs> Boston Fig, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I wouldn't really call them uh, similar <laughs> in any way. Uh, but we're doing one, and uh, we made this game Tailwind, and we had the graphics from it. And uh, when they were like, "What do you, what kind of game do you want to make?" We're like, "Let's make like a non-traditional Cypher Prime game where we kill a lot of stuff." And uh, so we we made a shmup because Auditorium, the original Auditorium, was supposed to be a shmup. Uh-huh. And when we went to make it, we built the particle system and never got past the particle system. And we thought for once, let's do it. And the idea is that uh, the, the whole story, because Tailwind actually has a story on like every Cypher Prime game. And it's basically like you're the last person on an alien race, less human or, well, I guess you wouldn't say human, I guess what you'd say entity of an mm-hmm. alien race. And you, like everyone's gone, everyone's dead, and there's aliens bombarding the world who are actually humans. They're kind of taking over the planet. Mm-hmm. and uh, you're like just trying to get the hell out of there and you find this experimental spaceship you fly it up and you realize you're just going to die anyway like you've got no food you've barely got any fuel like you're just you're fucked so it's kind of that moment of epiphany where it's just, it's the whole game is about your last blaze of glory um, which is where that whole quote from that uh, quote comes from uh, before you die live and the whole game right now put, takes place over, if you can do it, a minute and 30 seconds. And it's just like this crazy fast bullet hell game where at any point, it's a, it's, it plays like first person shooters, so it's like WASD and mouse. At any point in, ju- in time, you can jump from one point of the screen to another point of the screen, like with pinpoint accuracy. And you're totally melee, so you actually can't shoot anything. You're not an aggressor at all. Though the wake behind you, your tail is actually what kills things. Mm-hmm. So in order to like get either destroy anything, you'd have to actually come in front of it while it's shooting at you like a maniac and try to attack it with your tail. And it's super super fast. Um, I don't know if I have a link to the video, uh, but yeah, that's so that's kind of like the game and the origin and what it looks like. Oh, I have a I have a I have the humble tweet actually. Ah, there you go. For who wants to see it? And so that's like the origin of it in the game. And... Humble Nice. Yeah, I, I watched the trailer, um, and it it looked really, really impressive. But... Dude, it is fun. Like, oh, man. <laughs> I really wish I would have been subscribed to Humble. Uh, but, yeah, no. That it, and that, that alone is like a really good marketing move by Humble. And so it's just like, oh yeah, you'll get games every month. You'll get a game that won't be released anywhere else, but you yeah, won't even so know what it is. It's like oh. it's really it's it's really strange for us because we've got so many people who are really hyped about this game who want to play it. We're like, well, uh, four months you can play it, but uh, unless you were a part of the humble monthly, uh, you didn't get it. 
and you couldn't we had a lot of people contacting us like they want to sign up for the humble monthly right now to get the game <laughs> and, and they can't like there's just no way they missed it um so which is really interesting is there is there a mailing list or anything that they can sign up for to know when the game is out or... Uh, it's it's funny because I had asked them like if we could do a post mortem soon, uh, and I'm hoping they're gonna say yes in that because I have so many questions like that myself. And when we first, you know, authored a deal and said we were gonna do this, uh, I never really thought about those questions. I guess in my mind, I just had a preconceived idea of what it was, mm-hmm. uh, and I sort of assumed that like people would know a month beforehand what the game would be, but uh, they didn't even put put the trailer out and. You know, this is also on us because we had to make an entire game in three months. Um, I, I can't even believe like how well we did for the three months we had. I'm I'm very proud of it. And uh, the trailer was made like three days before we launched, so people are knowing about. And they wanted to wait. And they and they didn't even tell us we had to have a trailer. We didn't know. They said like a 14 second gameplay video. I didn't realize it had to be a trailer. We found out like a week before it's about the launch that there has to be a trailer. And we're like frantically trying to just finish the game in time. And uh, we actually submitted the final build of the game um, eight hours before it went live to everyone. I read that somewhere. That is insane. It's nuts. Uh, It was absolutely nuts. It's like uh, Ludum Dare submission hour. Oh, God, it was so scary. Oh, God, we're, like, testing, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope it doesn't break on every machine ever. Uh, it's it's really weird when the day before your game is about to launch, you, t- you test on Windows the first time. <laughs> oh, no. And you're using, like, all your own stuff, and you're like, I hope our particle system runs. And then you look at it, and you're like, wow, we need to rewrite that shader. But uh, it, did came, it did come together, so... Uh, it was really weird. The whole thing about it was super strange, and they were really cool about it. They, uh, you know, we had like three timelines that came up, and every time we sent over something, they were like, "Cool." They never uh, nagged us. They never bugged us. Jeez, um, no wonder you're bald. Oh yeah, that's exactly why I'm bald. <laughs> it's funny if you look at the if you look at the pictures like before we started Seven Prime. Dane and I both had a lot of hair, uh, <laughs> and within one year of starting our company, we were totally bald. Wow. I'm just happy that like I still grow facial hair. I'm waiting for that to bald. <laughs> That's gonna happen. Next. Is that an actual thing that you can lose facial hair from? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, I was gonna and say if, whoa. If it is, I will find it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll open up a new uh, science field, and they'll they'll just like want to bring you into their lab and just pay you millions to research you. And the future like... of Cypher Brian balding in new ways. <laughs> I, I wonder if they they had to let you do that if you know they they're doing all these tests and you gotta like stay in a lab like you'd still probably be able to program and work on games in there. It would probably be like a pretty conducive environment, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd probably be kind of fun. Yeah, we're when we're still we're still working on the game too. So uh, we are uh, uh, we're we're hoping to pitch it soon because uh, we kind of built it with dual stick analog in mind. Mm-hmm. And we want to do like a multi. We want to do like a bigger, badder multiplayer version of it. Um, because it's just multiplayer is so cool, man. Uh-huh. Sick of making single player games. Multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, but I've learned my lesson. Though. I can't doing a doing online multiplayer to anyone who does that. Like they're some sort of golden god to me. Yeah. Just I the agree. testing, like because that's what we learned with Auditorium. You, just, you build it. And then just to test a small idea, you'd have to like update both clients 
and Unity doesn't even like running two instances on the same machine, so that's a hard time. Mm-hmm. And then you're forgetting like which Unity is the primary and which one's the secondary. So like, like just to do a small test could be like 20 minutes, and you could easily screw it up and lose an hour's worth of work. Yeah. And then you're testing it, and, and that's just so difficult. And it's really hard to test something when you're the only person in the room. So like, you have to have at least another partner kind of testing with you. Yeah. Just that process, just that the process of testing alone, I think, is hard. Yeah, Let and then tech. after you you have the tech implemented, then you have to, like, do all these crazy formulas and algorithms so it feels right because you have to, like, predict ahead what's going to happen. Oh, so. dude, it's, it's oh. amazing. Anybody who does it is just, I just can't believe it. Um, so I, I wanted to, I'm definitely into the multiplayer thing, just like everyone else is, because really that's why... I got into games in the first place uh, was multiplayer stuff. Friendship. Yeah, dude. Just hanging out on the couch, just being cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, oh. I hate that all the single, all the like FPS games today believe that like I only have friends who live like 20 miles away from me with really good <laughs> internet connections and a PS4 and that none of us can play in the same room. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, like my, my brother, he'll play with people online. I'm like, you could, you know, have people over too. And, yeah, uh, and it's so eat much food more fun together, than... and you know, yeah. fart or whatever because you're teenagers. Yes. You can actually see somebody's face when they smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or punch cry. them when they Let's screw up. <laughs> when they throw up. When <laughs> <laughs> they screw up. <laughs> yeah, punch them when they throw up too. <laughs> I heard throw up, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I did say that. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's one of the things that indies have over uh, the AAA gaming space right now that I'm seeing is like they're still doing all the multiplayer online games, but they're doing it all in the same room, and they're they're still trying to do this thing where they make graphics better instead of making the game better, mm-hmm. and that's pushed into being like only one instance of a game on a device, and that's crazy to me. Like Halo was so cool because you could play online, but you could also play online together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that makes Counter Strike such a, a big influential shooter is that not only is it team based and you can you can all lobby, but you can like you can like land up Counter Strike pretty easily. Oh yeah. Uh, and like the fact that people have made internet ca- cafes just dedicated to Counter Strike is, <laughs> is is cool. Yes. Yeah. No. Triple uh, A is all about you know let's let's push the tech to the limits a lot of the time. Which is, you know, kind of what you're saying with graphics, but I, I don't think it's just with graphics that they, they just Never always want, like. Do you remember that that shooter, uh, Mag? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like, oh yeah, you can have up to like, I think it was two fifty six people on a on a server or something like that playing at the same time, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 but the game actually wasn't that good. It was just like, here's a number of how many people you can have shooting each other. Yeah, I mean that's it's so cool, but at the same time, like I. I'd just rather play Towerfall with eight people. Oh. <laughs> Dude, eight eight player Towerfall. I want to play it so bad. Yeah, I, he he like sent us like a basketball image the other day, basketball and Towerfall, or or maybe Dane sent it to me or something. And I'm just like, really? What what are we doing with our lives that we're not playing basketball Towerfall right now? <laughs> yeah, Towerfall. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I remember getting inspired by that and, like, wanting to go make some cool multiplayer. Like, I, I pretty much changed the game design of one of my ideas to, like, make it multiplayer. Like, just good multiplayer games like that 
just like not only do they bring joy to you and unite you with your friends and just like make memories you just want to make more games with them oh man it's so oh. inspiring in so many ways and it's also like it is just a really terribly great game and I what I really love about Towerfall is like we, you know, that's basically the game of Dev Night at this point, and it has been for a long time. And every week, you know, somebody new will come into Dev Night, they'll never have heard of Towerfall before. And they sit down and play, and they'll play against us, and we've gotten extremely, extremely good. <laughs> and they can still win. Like yep. you can come in and it doesn't matter how good your, yeah, your dash valid. ability is, and they can still kill you. And that you know, when I I talked to Matt about that once because I hate the bubble like the little bubble thing. And oh, yeah. uh, he put the bubble in specifically for that reason, uh, the shield. And we actually play with it now because it, it is great. It's, it's, it's actually awesome that somebody can kind of come in for the first time and beat you. Yep. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of that game where, I mean, Street Fighter, I love Street Fighter, but, you know, it's just not the case that somebody who's never played before is going to come in and play like, <laughs> A really good player. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, the floor is just going to get mopped with them, and it's not going to be fun for that player, and it's not going to be fun for the new person. But Towerfall, man, it's always great. It's just always good. Yeah, it, there's always laughter and yelling and screaming, and and the funny sounds, man. You get hit, and it's like, bam, bam, bam. like <laughs> yep. and then what? the the person playing also makes a funny sound. Oh, because it's just so good. Who would have thought? And the gameplays are like, what, like 10 seconds a match? Like, <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I think we, I think our Steam account just went over 2,000 hours of Towerfall. Oh, um, you know what? Is that who I saw posting that? I, I yeah, saw somebody that post us. it. We just went over 2,000 hours. Which I, I don't know if that's the most ever played, but uh, we've certainly played a lot of Towerfall. Played? And, uh, played. Yes, mm-hmm. it might be. But the um, there was a, there was a Twitter... Uh, or a tweet that I saw a long time ago that they basically bought Towerfall the day it came out and bought a computer for it and just, you know, it's running 24-7. They never shut the computer off. It's been running since the day Towerfall came out on Steam. (laughs) Oh, that's that's so weird. Yeah, no, we actually, (laughs) we play. We even have a, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's called Tower Forge. And so it, like, automatically tweets out... uh, Instagrams, uh, sorry, it tweets out and like I've does gifts that. of uh, you guys? all of our plays. Oh my goodness. Every, so you like know, every week we're playing, we save one and it, it like live posts our gameplay. Oh, that is so crazy. You know, I, I did hear about that. You might have, you might have told me, um, but. Yeah, I may have. It was actually really hard because the, uh, the gifts that come out um, from Towerfall, uh, from Towerfall themselves mm-hmm. are, are too large to send to yep. Twitter. And they're like slightly in the wrong color space, so we actually had to write like a compiler to. We have a background process that runs on our machine. That's like our Towerfall computer that plays. Yeah, and it, it's just running all the time. And every ten minutes, it actually takes what's in there, updates them, recompresses them, and then it sends the new ones to the, uh, wow. the Tower the Tumblr account. So, wow, Do you, what what did you guys write that in? Uh, that was just a that was C plus plus. Yeah, we that was just a uh, we did that one night during uh, Dev Night. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, it was like a dev night project one night uh, between uh, Christian and Dane. The two of them put it together really quick. And uh, one of them built the compiler. I think Dane, Dane built the compiler and Christian built the uh, background process. Just one night, just whatever. <laughs> yeah, they just... 
Dude, they did it in hours. It was like it was literally an hour or two hours they spent on it. They did not spend a lot of time on it. Uh, they just used like a lot of little things together to do it. I think the um, the the updating process is actually done through Dropbox. I believe they use like a plugin for Tumblr that looks at new pictures from Dropbox. So like Ooh. once they like got the compression stuff done, and then all they had to do was tell this like plugin to check every certain time. Uh, for the new Dropbox stuff. And then that's like kind of how it all works. It's really neat. I mean, but they don't, they, they definitely only spent two hours on it. I was impressed. Yeah, I, I'd be pretty impressed. And I, <laughs> like, like the whole Casey Miratori thing from earlier, like there's a whole community behind that and they're all doing amazing things. And like, like the bar has been raised, but that still impresses me. Dude, we, we get upset, though, when somebody, like, is going to save a GIF. Like, uh-huh. one of the replays, we're, like, so hyper-aggressive about what we uh, put up now because we know <laughs> that 10 minutes later it's going to go online and, like, if it's the pink archer, it's probably going to be me or somebody's going to think it's me. So I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't put that. No, come on. <laughs> like, come on. I, I don't get stomped. What? No, I do, though. <laughs> That's the best part. There's no winning in that game. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, before before we jump off, I would like to see if you have any advice that you would give to game developers of any caliber. You can you can pick a specific, you know, part of the game development journey, or you can just give a general advice, whatever, whatever you want. Do you have anything that you can think of? Um. Well, actually, you know what? I'll give some advice that I see from my personal community that I wish sort of, I saw sort of happen more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we've been doing Dev Night here for years, yeah. and people do these game jams every month. And one of the reasons why we have the Forge and Dev Night and everything is kind of like to facilitate the whole process of just kind of like being a hobbyist and making games to being like a professional developer who is making money from it. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that I see people do is kind of uh, do like 9 million projects, just like we are talking about like managing your expectations, but for yourself... And it's really easy to get like swept up with nine million different ways to do something. All those hit indie games that I see and that are out there that are making money, uh, even though our games that do well, are those projects that you really spent like a lot of time on and that you dedicate to just one thing. Uh, I think there's just no shortcut for the amount of like man hours you have to put at something to make it great. And it's it's very easy to to get a game up and running in like a weekend and be like, oh, this is really cool. But that exact same game that took you two or three hours to do on the weekend uh, could take you like six months to a year to make a commercial releasable product mm-hmm. by like putting in menus and things like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, an actual gameplay progression and worlds and all that stuff. And my, I guess my challenge to people is to, is to stop making small little game jam games and to really find something, find any kind of concept or anything you love and, and really dedicate yourself to it for a while, um, even if it's just three months, even even if that's a while, uh, rather than jumping around from project to project and overwhelming yourself with like ten different things. Uh, just taking one game that you're going to make and really kind of blowing it out there. Um, and then the other thing I can say from a game jam perspective, since we judge these every month, is that uh, uh, every game that ever wins a game jam that we see and we do it by committee, like has a menu and everything. Uh, so. If you want somebody to instantly love your game more, all you need to do is do the full application loop. And if you spend a little time getting good at that, which will only take you like a weekend, uh, people will instantly love your games more. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a hard lesson that I had to learn because, like, for years, like nobody was picking my games and game jams. And then 
I just made a start menu and an end menu, and people loved it more. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that makes I guess sense. Those, are, those, those are two pieces of advice, but yeah, I guess there's like a challenge there and a little bit of advice. Perfect. All right. Uh, if you want to stick around for a minute afterwards, that would be great. Otherwise, sure. we are yeah, going to. <laughs> or else we are going to go into the credits. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 76 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is broadcast live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Adosity. If you enjoyed the show and are interested in more, you can visit our archive at IndieFunction.com, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Our next show is on April 23rd with David and Yaprak D. Carmen of Game Jolt. Thank you again for listening in to Indie Radio, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend.